Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. We've been looking at just the, 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 these three things, discovering Jesus, finding family this morning, and then next week we'll be looking at experiencing life. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit more next week. But this morning, we're looking at finding family, which is, uh, which is really on God's heart. And we'll look at uh, why that is in the, some scriptures in a moment. But just the two, two quotes I want to share with you guys before we get there. Firstly, Henry Ford. For uh, f- the millennials might not know who Henry Ford is. He's the guy who uh, um, invented Ford or uh, came up with Ford, the company, the cars. And he said, there's coming together as the, as the beginning Keeping together is progress, but working together is success. And uh, so uh, there's, a, there's one aspect of us coming together and you coming together this morning. That's great. Uh, but then keeping together and staying at this togetherness is another thing. But then ultimately, when we get to work together, then we start to succeed in life and the things that God has for us. So pretty wise, man. Um, uh, I've got this, this cool mug at home. It's not cool because my face is on it, but my face is on this mug. And... Um, <laughs> It's funny because a friend of mine uh, gave me this mug, he, he made this mug for me, and um, because we, we had a conversation the one morning um, at a, a men's, uh, a manaka that we had, and we talked about all of these amazing quotes by guys like Henry Ford and Martin Luther King uh, Jr., which I'll share in a moment, all of these guys with amazing quotes, and it's, it's profound, and we like, like, our jaws drop at uh, some of these quotes, and then uh, we just had this discussion, but ultimately, Every great quote by any person who ever lived got that quote from the Bible. Like if you have to just flesh this out, it's Bible. Like it's every great quote that got your jaw dropping or got you to do something or enter into something in some way or shape or form, it's been written before. And that's really uh, encouraging. So um, this mug with my face on says, um, here's a great quote and says, now you're only quoting scripture, man. Um, Something along those lines. So it's funny, I enjoy that, that mug of mine. Um, Henry or Martin Luther Jr. Uh, or King Jr. said, We must learn to live together as brothers and sisters or perish together as fools. Pretty cool, uh, pr- pretty interesting statement as well. But this togetherness and this unity, like there's really strength in it. And if we can't do that, they will be perishing ultimately. Not in the sense of spiritually, but uh, we won't accomplish that which God has called us to accomplish on this earth if we don't learn to work together and go together in this life. Anyone know the song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for? The millennials are like looking at me with like, like, what's happening here? So it's a song by, by, by um, U2, uh, Bonner, and uh, Sure also, I think, uh, that the song, I can't remember who's the original um, writer of the song, Haley? U2 or Sure? Uh, not Haley. Uh, Norman said that U2, you, uh, Norman is giving his age away as well. So I still haven't found what I'm looking for. That's a lot of uh, what Christianity is today. They still haven't found what they're looking for. The question is, what are you looking for? When, you, when you're talking about family and finding family, if maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're thinking, like, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Like, I'm still looking for something. I'm still searching for something. And last week, uh, or the week before last week, God will shared an awesome word on discovering Jesus and uh, the woman at the well. And it was awesome. If you missed it, get it online. It is there. But the week before that, we also uh, opened up this series just really talking about 
what you're looking for, you need to know what you're looking for. Otherwise, you're just going to be on a, on a wild goose chase and you're going to be frustrated and you're not going to come to, to find what you're looking for, especially if it doesn't exist. So the question is, what, what if what you're looking for does not exist? Then you, that's probably a reason why you're frustrated this morning or you're just frustrated with life because you're looking for something that does not exist. What are you using to help you on your pursuit of searching? That's an important question. What are you using? What is, what is directing you? What is helping you on this pursuit of, of searching for what you are looking for? What's your navigation system, so to speak? So today we use God's Word and we're using that to help us define and navigate us into the family that God intended for us to experience. There's an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. But together in unity specifically, because you can go together, but not be in unity. And that's not on God's heart for us. It's to go together, but in unity specifically. I just wanted to look at the definition, just two definitions of family for a moment. Then we'll get into uh, some scripture. Um, the first definition says, a group of one or more parents and their children living together as a unit. Okay, just think about that word unit for a moment. Then the second definition said this, a family is a group of two or more persons related by birth, marriage, or adoption who live together. All such related persons are considered as members of one family. Just think about the word one for a moment. Let's open up in Genesis chapter 2. So I just emphasize that, those two words, one and unit, and we'll, we'll elaborate on that a little bit more now. Genesis chapter 2. We'll look at verse 24 from a few different translations. From King James first, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall, be or shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Okay, so here we see clearly father and mother, it's indicative of family, and then the husband and the wife will become one flesh. Okay, emphasis on one day. Then the New Living says it like this. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So there's another uh, um, explain, explanatory, a word to explain uh, this, this one is united. Sometimes my English fails me. Uh, apologies, guys, but at least it's humor for you. Um, then uh, there's another translation. It says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and unites with his wife and they become one family. So the big problem with uh, a lot of Christianity and maybe for you this morning is this, this lack of investing into family and coming together to unite. Some people come together to devise, to be divisive. And that's not on God's heart. And there's various things that, that influence that, that kind of attitude but ultimately, if we don't come to see God's heart for family and this, this miracle of the body of Christ, when we come together and when we unite together and we see our similarities, we'll always focus on our differences. That's the, the human tendency, the human heart wants to focus on the problem, the difference. You are different than me. You, you do that, but I do this. And so we, we're very quick to focus on the negative that's how we've been trained and programmed to live. But praise God, we've received the new spirit. Now we just need to come to know that new spirit and our new identities and start realizing the importance of the unity and what we have in common. 
You can have family without unity and you can have unity without family, but God intended for us to have both. Not just family, but family with unity. Not just unity, but unity along with family, doing life together. Let's go to Psalm 100 verse 33. And just uh, linking back to Genesis, this is the, the, the first marriage, so to speak, where, where Adam and Eve come together. And there's really a beautiful picture of, of family, this togetherness, this, this new unit, this new family that is as being started. And maybe you're in a position where, uh, this is a word for maybe you're, you're in a marriage or um, you're preparing to get married, but you're struggling to let go of the in-laws. And it's not, God isn't calling you to disregard your in-laws or your, or your, your mother and your father, but you need to see that when you get married, you're starting a new team, a new team. You can learn from the, the previous team, the previous unit, but as a team, you need to redefine how you are going to function as a team. After considering, okay, this is how my parents did it. This is how your parents do it, did it. Cool. What, how are we going to do it now? We means team. It means us. How are we going to together accomplish this? And you can tra- draw that into church family as well. Maybe you've come from another church family and you, 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 you're considering and praying about whether Grace Life is the family that God is inviting you to be part of. Let go of that church family. And cleave to your new church family. And learn from how do we do things. And and come together with us. And be united with us on this pursuit. Amen. Thanks for those two amens, Rudolf and Marco. I appreciate that. I know that you're at least with us. Now I'm joking. I know the rest of you too. You're just a a little bit uh, sleepy with this amazing weather outside. Okay, so Psalm 133. From verse 1, there's only three verses. We'll look at all three of them. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Okay, so let's just break down these uh, three verses. There's so much for us to 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 draw from this. And verse 1, firstly, behold. What does behold mean? It doesn't just refer to, cool, look just dimly and then pass, pass on. It, it's talking about focus. It's talking about put your attention on this. This is amazing when John the Baptist declared of Jesus in John chapter 1, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He drew everyone, the, the, the whole, it was like a, a declaration. Behold, guys, pay attention. Put your focus on this one thing. What is David wanting us to behold? Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now it's interesting that he's using the words good and pleasant together. Because you know that some things can be good, but it's not pleasant. Right? Think about exercise. In the moment, like it's, a, it's, it's good for you, it's good for your body, but it's not necessarily pleasant. Anyone of you have ever like experienced like you, you're doing something, it's good, exercise, and like, oh man, this isn't pleasant for me. But afterwards, it's maybe like you're experiencing the, 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 the pleasant of, of that exercise. So he's, he's putting an emphasis that there's a good aspect and there's a pleasant aspect to this dwelling together in unity. And it's something that we need to behold. And this is the beautiful thing, and we'll get it, I'll, I'll maybe jump ahead quickly, and we'll uh, reiterate that later. 
this beholding this, this, this thing called unity and dwelling together in unity is something to behold because you don't see it that often. Why did Jesus say that they will know you are my disciples for your love for one another? Now that wasn't just talking about a general love like you love your cup of tea or your cup of coffee or you love the weather, but it's talking about, about a love that is self-sacrificial, a love that does consider the other higher than self. That is a love that, that enables us to be together in unity. And that is the invitation and the beholding that David wants to focus or wants to draw our attention to. How good and pleasant is it when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity? Now this is something to consider. Um, it's one thing to say that you, or it's easy to be united with someone that you don't have relationship with. So there's an emphasis here on unity, but also dwelling together. It's easy to have unity with the person that you don't, aren't married to, maybe. Maybe some of you are like struggling and it's like difficult and there's no unity because you're living with someone. Like it just makes it a little bit more difficult. Some of you are thinking, man, I'm super, I'm in such unity with my favorite Bible teacher that I listen to online. Like, I don't have their cell phone number. Like, I don't know if they know my birthday or anything like that. But we're united. Like, we see eye to eye. It's easy to be united with whoever you're listening to online. But when you start dwelling together, it becomes a little bit more difficult. When you start rubbing shoulders. Iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Like, are you really friends with that online Bible teacher of yours? Or is it just someone that's sharing the word with you? And that's great. It's great to receive the word through online teaching, but you can't consider that that will enable you to grow because that person cannot sharpen you the way that a friend and person can sharpen you. Because it's when we're rubbing shoulders that we actually start to grow together and mature together and challenge one another effectively. Because if you're doing something that is uh, contrary to your new nature, that person doesn't know about it, right? Whether it's Joseph Prince, whether it's uh, Andrew Ormack, those are just the two common examples that I can use. Um, those people can't challenge you the way that I can challenge you by doing life with you, by dwelling together. So there's an importance for us to dwell together and then from that place be together in unity. Let's look at verse 2 and 3 and just break those uh, uh, um, metaphors that they're using here for us just down on this topic. So the topic here that David is talking about is unity and dwelling together. So that's family. It's a family that's together, that's united together. Verse 2 and 3. There are two illustrations shared here on the significance and the benefit of dwelling together in unity. Let's look at the anointing first. So the anointing or the, 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 the oil that was pouring down on Aaron's beard. So firstly, anointing is also in reference to the Spirit of God. Because God's Spirit is His anointing. Praise God that you are His anointed. Say, I'm His anointed. That's an amazing promise that you are God's anointed. You are anointed with power. You are anointed to fulfill the job. Acts 1 verse 8. You've received power. That power is dunamis, it's ability. You have got the ability to accomplish the job. What is the job? To be witnesses of me throughout all the earth. 
not to be a kind person or nice person. That is part of the package. But it's to be a witness of something. What is that something? It is Jesus, the message of the gospel, the message of the Bible. And so we are anointed. We've got the anointing. And because we've got the anointing and we come to learn and understand the Spirit of God in me, we can actually put our differences aside. We can actually focus on what is the strength of the church, and that's God's Spirit. How we are united together in the Spirit. But anointing has also got another benefit, because uh, the the anointing that took place was a fragrance. It was an oil that set off a fragrance. And so there was a smell associated with this anointing. Now, who who of you enjoy good smells? Who enjoys bad smells? Don't put up your hand. (laughs) <laughs> so um, I don't know if any of you have, were close to bad to this morning, but he normally smells good. Like he's normally got a, a good perfume on and he's got a good fragrance. So it's nice to be around him, right? If someone does not smell good, then you tend to want to like keep your distance. <laughs> like a high five, you refrain from the hug. So what is, the, what, what is David trying to communicate here? Unity draws people in. Unity draws people in, wants to be close to one another. That's why, again, Jesus said that people will know that you are my disciples for your love for one another, and people will be drawn to this. They'll be drawn to this light. Because the only light that we are, or the, 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 the most significant form of light that we can shine forth is the love of Christ. And so when we shine forth that light, People are drawn to it like a moth to a flame. But praise God, the flame's not going to burn them. It's going gonna, it's gonna to transform them. So that is beautiful. And then if we look at the dew of Hermon, it's a picture of greenness, lushness, life, abundance. Because again, it's in unity that we really experience life and life forevermore. It's in unity that we get to experience abundance. It's in dwelling together as God's family in unity that will experience the full blessings of God and life forevermore. So there is blessing that is associated with dwelling together as a family in unity. So that was, for us as a church, we're all about family. That's why it's such a a focus for us. But we're not just about family that dwells together, but it's about family that's united together. And united together on a specific purpose. It's very specific. What is that? Let's go to um, John chapter 17. We'll get to this purpose and elaborate on that. So it's important to understand that the family that God intended for us is not just a family in a general sense, not just family that dwells together, not just family that comes together, but family that comes together with a a like-minded purpose with unity on that purpose, on that mission. John chapter 17, we'll look at verse 20 to 23. If we come to understand the family that God intended for us, we'll also understand that without unity, family is really powerless. Without unity, family is powerless. You can be family but there won't be any power. There won't be any empowering because it's when we're united together as a family that we truly start experiencing the power and the blessing of God. 
John 17, 20 to 23. I'll read from the Passion Translation, then we'll look at the message. Um, just uh, two other verses from there. So 20. And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me. So this is Jesus talking here. Who will believe in me through their message. I pray for them. So Jesus is praying, guys. There's, a, there's not a lot of record where Jesus is praying and they elaborating on what he's praying. So what is he praying here? We need to pay attention. I pray for them all to be joined together as one. Even as you and our Father are joined together as one, I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them so that, emphasis, so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You will live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced Say convinced. So the world will be convinced of something. Convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Just want to look at verse 22 and 23 from the message translation. It says, the same glory you, have, you gave me, I gave them. So they will be as united and together as we are. I in them and you in me. Then they will be mature in this oneness. And give the godless world evidence, say evidence, that you sent me and loved me in the same way you've loved me. This is powerful. This is awesome. Again, this unity and this oneness is there for purpose. But I'll share this purpose in a moment. Just think about this quickly. As Jesus was one with God, so we are with one another. Just think about that. It's difficult to comprehend. As Jesus, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as they are one, so are you and I. Now, we're not experiencing the blessing of that oneness because we are full of pride. The good word? It is only... Pride and self-centeredness that gets us to focus on our differences. But humility chooses to push my pride aside and how I see things, my opinion, and to focus on what God's Word says. That we are as together, we experience a oneness, the same oneness that God, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit experiences. We can experience that. But it's going to require you to lay down some things. It's going to require you to come to God with humility. It's going to require you to let go of things. I know it's a challenging word. But it's only when we accept the challenge that we can grow and mature in the things of God. As the message says here, then... So it's through this oneness, through the oneness that we share in the Spirit that we will be mature. So this maturity comes by focusing on this oneness. And through this oneness, through focusing on this oneness, through magnifying the unity that we share together in the Spirit, that the godless world will see the evidence that Jesus Christ has been sent. 
For the world will know that you are my disciples for your love for one another. Love emphasizes unity, focuses on unity. But the world cannot see Jesus because the church is divided. I'm not talking about the church worldwide, but this message for us this morning specifically is each one of you as a member of this body gets to focus in on how united you are with this body, with our vision, with the mission that God has called us to. I cannot choose for you how united you will be on this mission with us. You choose for yourself. But as a body has different members, to the degree that you are separated from or or divisive in a way, you are hurting the body. And so we need to be aware of these things in order for us to move together and minister to one another and actually mature and give the godless world evidence and convince them that Jesus has been sent. Jesus has been sent. He accomplished His work. Now we are filled with His Spirit. Now we need to grow in understanding what does that mean for us. And it's going to require some letting go of things. It's going to require focusing on the Word, being washed with the Word. Allowing our hearts and our minds to be renewed so that, so that we don't just conform, as Romans 12 says, to the patterns and, and the, the mold of this world. Because this world is all about sharing your opinion. Go on Facebook and tell the world what you think about X, Y, and Z. The world is very opinionated. And the world has influenced a lot of the church. Some Christians are the... <laughs> some Christians on Facebook. Man, like, it's just like... It's, it's horrible. Some people think that their ministry is to, to go on Facebook and tell all of the churches how wrong they are. How horrible a job that they are doing. Where do you see that ministry in the Bible? There's, only one, there's one ministry that we have as a church, and that ministry is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's a ministry of reconciliation. There's only one thing that reconciles. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, hard, that's on God's heart for us. So if you think that you've got any other ministry than that ministry of reconciliation, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, dying for our sins, being raised from the dead, pouring out His Spirit to make us one with God, then stop that ministry, please. And start the ministry that you've been given, commissioned with, to go into all the world, make disciples, preaching the gospel. The gospel is a specific message. If you've been with us for a number of even Sundays, but more so months, weeks, you come to know that the gospel is a specific message. It's not maybe what you think. If you knew here this morning, the gospel is a specific message. It is not a message of prosperity. It is not a message of you fill in the blank. It's the message of Jesus dying for a broken world. Romans 3 verse 23 says that, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The world is in the mess that it is because it is void of God's glory, void of God's Spirit, not having God's Spirit dwell inside of them. That is the solution to this world's problems, the message of the Gospel, which is God sending His Son to die for the world, removing the, sinful, uh, the barrier of sin between God and man, making a way for us to receive His Spirit. 
Not by works, not by performance, not by what you did or what you didn't do. But freely receiving the gift of grace, the gift of life, which is God's spirit. And then we are free from, we are, uh, we are completely made righteous. As 2 Corinthians 5.21 also says, that we are made righteous through faith in Christ Jesus. So this oneness that we are talking about and what the church needs to awaken to is only possible through this message and emphasizing this message. This is the reality of Christianity that God wants us to walk in, experiencing family and family that is united together in purpose. What is this purpose? Philippians 2 verse 1, let's elaborate on. We've already touched a bit on this. Philippians 2 verse 2. We're going to land the plane fast now, so just buckle up. Don't uh, um, disembark just yet. Philippians 2.2 2 says, So I'm asking you, my friends, so this is Paul uh, making an appeal again. I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. So this is, uh, if you don't know who Paul is, Paul is a guy who used to be Saul and he had a radical encounter with the, the love of God and the message of grace. And his life was radically transformed, so much so that he penned more than two-thirds of the New Testament. So I'm just kind of giving you a canvas of who's writing these words. And he's saying that if we do this, his heart will be filled with unbounded joy. I don't know if your heart has ever been filled with unbounded joy. But he's putting emphasis on something specific that will lead to his heart being filled with unbounded joy. And what is that? That we are joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walking together with this harmonious purpose. What is this harmonious purpose? What is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose and God's desire for the world? Is a good question maybe to ask. Because God's desire gives us purpose. God's will gives us purpose. What is God's will? 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. God's will is that all be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. That is God's desire for all, the whole world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. I had an awesome uh, uh, engagement with someone this past week, just ministering to them. And it... If we start filtering our lives and filtering our decisions through this verse, asking this question, what is God's will for all to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth? If we start making decisions in line with that very will of God, our lives will look radically different. The joy that we are experiencing will look radically different. If we start to make decisions in line with what is on God's heart? It's simple. For the world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. And every decision that you make in life is either adding to this or taking away from this. Now once you've received salvation, praise God, you're in the clear, so to speak. But He doesn't want to just leave you in the clear. He wants to catapult you into abundant living, experiencing life in its overflow or until you overflow. And that's where growing and understanding comes from. So it's a two-part coin, two-sided coin. Come to salvation and grow in your understanding of salvation. That's what the church is for. 
Let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. So a lot of Christianity is looking for church and wanting something from church that God never intended the church to be. Ephesians chapter 4 really summarizes the, 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 the ministry of, as some uh, scholars call, the fivefold. Let's see what Ephesians chapter 4 says about the leadership and the, the, the pioneers of the church. And it says, And he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay, so here he's, he's listing this, the leadership of the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay, then what does it go on to say? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. So these gifts, it's gifts to the body of Christ, right? It's gifts to the body of Christ, and these gifts has got a specific purpose. What's that purpose? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What will be the result? Till we all come into a unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive. Okay, so there's a lot of uh, big words in there. But in essence, what are we getting from this passage of Scripture? We are called into one family. And as a family, there's leadership. As any family, there's leadership. If you've got a mother or a father and you're living under their house, I'm trusting that you are submitted to their rules, submitted to their leading. It's less, less rules than it's just order because God is a God of order, right? So order is a nicer word than rules. Like it seems less legalistic. So uh, I know it's more palatable. There's order in a household. And the order is created and chosen by the heads of the house, which is the mother and the father, mutually submitted to one another. That's the way God intended. And so the same with the church family. And these fivefold, their purpose is very specific. The church's purpose is very specific. For the saints, that is all of us, and the fivefold is included in the sainthood. Maybe you've never thought about that, but you are a saint. If you've received the Spirit of God, if you've received Jesus and the gift of life, you are called a saint. You are called a holy one. Not because of what you do, but because of what you believe. Because believe will lead to doing. So if you believe wrong, you'll do wrong. If you believe right, you'll do right. How simple is that? How amazing. Proverbs says that out of the overflow of the honor, uh, as a man thinks in his heart, so easy. And it, uh, Solomon also writes and he says that God, your heart above all else because out of it flow the issues of your life. Meaning that whatever you believe will determine the way you live. It will determine the decisions you make. It's very simple. So if we come to believe the word of God and surrender to and submit to his leading and what the word says, it will change the way we live, how we make decisions. The fivefold and the ministry of the church is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry. We've got a work of ministry, each one of us, not just the pastor, not just the apostle, not just the prophet, not just the evangelist and the teacher. Each one of us has got a work of ministry. What is that ministry? 
Ministry of Reconciliation, Mark and Ailey took notes and they uh, uh, gave the right answer. It's not any other form of ministry. There's things you can do. There's charities you can run. But if the charity does not point people to Jesus, I'm going to say, <laughs> it's, 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 it's incomplete. That's a very passable way of uh, saying it. If the charity isn't pointing people to Jesus, if it's not about the ministry ultimately of reconciliation, it is incomplete, insufficient. Think about this for a moment. Jesus died for a specific purpose. He left heaven. You can go read about this in uh, Philippians chapter, chapter 2, where it's beautiful. We'll get to uh, some verses. Let's, uh, let's go there quickly. We're not going to go to those specific verses this morning, but continue reading on in Philippians chapter 2. We're just going to read verse 3 and 4. But it boils unto Jesus and His approach that He had in leaving heaven, leaving everything behind to come to earth to fulfill His specific purpose. We are a family that's on mission and we've got a specific vision. And we invite you as a as family, and we'll go to Philippians chapter 2 in a moment in closing. Grace Life, this specific family, we've got a specific vision and a mission in how we, we're feeling God is leading us to accomplish this. And we shared this the last two Sundays. We had Connect and Belong, and we'll have Connect and Belong in a, in a month or so again where we share all of these things, what we value as a church, what are the things that we value and purpose and, and how you can be part of this family and be joined to this family so that we can be united together and fulfill our purpose. To not just dwell together and get together on Sundays and life group and all of these other settings, but to be united together on this mission of dwelling together. But our primary purpose, before we go to Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 2, is to grow together, to mature in this work of ministry. Because it's in maturity, in, in growing and in sitting under teaching and receiving the teaching and instruction that we actually grow in unity, that the church of God is actually being built up, that the church of Christ is being edified when we're together in this manner. So it's not just about gathering, but it's gathering on purpose. Philippians 2 verse 3 to 4. Be free from prideful opinions. Say prideful. Okay. So I know none of you have prideful opinions. It's just the people who didn't come this morning. And so uh, I'm glad that I'm in, a, in good company. I'm just joking. I often have prideful opinions. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. The encouragement instruction is here. And remember, we, we're reading Philippians is, is written to a church of Philippi. So it's a community of believers that were dwelling together. And we saw that Paul's encouragement to them was to dwell together in unity. And here he says, and these are things that, that will really harm the unity that God wants us to experience as a family. What are those things? Pride-filled opinions. For they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. Anyone ever had a, a sense of self-promotion? Like, I need to do that. Why did I not get X, Y, and Z? Why are they getting promoted and not me? That is 
Self-promotion. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your heart. But in authentic humility, put others first. Say, put others first. I know it's maybe difficult, but praise God that the instruction we see in the Word, in the New Testament epistle specifically, is instructions in light of Pentecost. God's Spirit being poured out. You are enabled, you are empowered to live in this manner. Now you get to choose whether you're focusing on that reality or whether you're just focusing on carnality, your flesh. We all get to determine what are we focusing on. What are we beholding? Put others first and view others as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest. These are all attributes that will harm our cherished unity. And God's heart is for us to dwell together in unity because that is where abundant blessings and life evermore reigns. Each one of us gets to decide and determine in our hearts how much united we are, to what degree we are united to this dwelling, to this gathering. And not just on Sundays, but throughout the week as a whole. You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca